0: We are One Church. We love God, love people, love his mission, and love his church. Welcome to the One Church Podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Chris, and this is the One Church Podcast. It's Monday, the 17th of October, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. Here are a few verses from Colossians 1 to encourage us before we continue. One thing that has stood out to me as we've looked at the stories of Moses, Mary and Daniel is how they were able to overcome situations and see God do amazing miracles by keeping their eyes on him and not on their surroundings. Let's not forget, our God is supreme. Jesus, we thank you that you are above all things and we pray today that in whatever situations we may face, you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. We trust in you. Amen. Today's message comes from the One Church Central site, recorded on the 16th of October. And Pastor James is concluding our Same God series, sharing about the God of David. Enjoy.
2: We're on the last part of our series, The Same God. And uh, today we're looking at the life of David. It's been, I don't know about you, but I found it a really encouraging series, uh, reminding ourselves that the God we serve. Uh, the, the God that we read such extraordinary things about in the Bible, while well, he's exactly the same as he was then, he's exactly the same today. He's not changed, he remains the same, he is alive and is active in our world today uh, as much as he's ever been. The same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Noah, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah, the God of Zechariah, Micah, Matthew and Mary, the God of Paul, Peter and John, he is the same today, he has not changed. The God we read about through history is the same God that we love and serve today. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. Father, we thank you for your amazing word. Lord, thank you that is alive and active. And Father, we pray that as we look for a few moments now at the life, Lord of David, we pray that, Lord, you'd speak into our hearts and minds. And Father, that we would hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. So I want to look at three different aspects of the life of David today to help us see further that God is the same. Uh, So the three things are this. Number one, uh, we're looking at the God who sees. Number two, the God of grace and forgiveness. And number three, the God whose promises never fail. So number one, the God who sees. You know, God saw David's life and he did amazing things in and through his life. And today he sees every one of us because he is the same God. He is the God who sees us. He is the same God who sees and uses everyone, even those that are supposedly unknown, those people that perhaps no one else has seen or noticed or acknowledged. God sees every one of us. I remember going to a a meeting with Pastor Brian, Uh, Brian and Marge Niblock were the uh, senior leaders of what was TLC before David and Susan, and um, he took me along to a meeting, I think it was over Tamworth Way, and there were some, uh, there there were a group of guys there that were Prophesying in that in that meeting, so they were they were speaking encouragement over people's lives. I think there were about sixty or seventy people there in the meeting that day, and uh, I was I was I, I remember being there listening and listening, sitting quietly and watching what was going on and listening to the things that they were speaking over uh, people's lives. And they were pointing various people out in the room. And then a moment came when the guy at the front po- pointed to me. I was sat near the back with uh, with Pastor Brian, and he. He pointed to me, and then he began to prophesy over me. And it was a really powerful moment. I, I, uh, I remember I began to, to cry and be incredibly moved uh, as God began to speak into my life through this guy. And uh, I, I left that day so incredibly encouraged because I realized at that moment that God had seen me. In that room uh, full of other people who God also spoke to as well, I realized that God had seen me in that moment. And I just left with such incredible encouragement. And I'm still encouraged by it now if I think back to what God spoke of in my life. But God showed me that day that he saw me personally. There's a brilliant name uh, in the Bible for God, uh, one of God's names, and it's called El Roy. And it means the God who sees me. Now the original Hebrew word, it can be translated as shepherd or as seeing, looking or gazing. And this is the quote, says, in other words, when we feel most invisible and forgotten by everyone else, we can remember that God does see us. He witnesses our struggles and comes alongside us. El Roy. Uh, so just to give it a little bit of context before we get into David's life, uh, the name for God, this, this particular one, Al Roy, uh, it appears in the biblical account about Abraham and Sarah and their journey regarding having children. Obviously, we're not, I'm not going to go into all that now, but um, just as a reminder for us, if you, if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, um, God promises Abraham many descendants Uh, But the reality is Abraham gets quite impatient because things aren't quite progressing in the way that he'd hoped in terms of having children. And uh, so as per the suggestion of his wife, Sarah, he he then sleeps with uh, his Egyptian servant, Hagar, and she gets pregnant. That's how the account goes. But then Hagar is, is really badly treated by Sarah. And so eventually Hagar runs away and she's got nowhere to go. But as she runs away, she meets an angel of the Lord who who promises Hagar that her son will also form a great nation. And uh, he tells her that through her bloodline, she'll have many descendants. Uh, And because God, she's really blown away by what God comes and speaks to her. Uh, And because God sees her when no one else does, Hagar uh, declares this. He says, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You see, she was badly treated and pushed out by Abraham and Sarah, but God did not forget her. God still saw her, El Roy. And thinking specifically about the life of David, I was thinking about this. You see, David at the beginning of his life, I don't think he was an obvious leader choice. Uh, at, the, at the beginning of David's life, he was, he was pretty much unseen, seemingly unimportant and in the background. And it's maybe not something we think about too much because we think about all the exploits that David did. But what about the beginning of his life? Uh, we pick up the story from a, in 1 Samuel 16. It will come up on the screen. I just want to read this uh, from this passage. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king over Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them To the sacrifice, too. And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel but Samuel said uh, no this is not the one the Lord has chosen uh, next uh, Jesse summoned Shimea but Samuel said neither is this the one the Lord has chosen in the same way all of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel but Samuel said to Jesse uh, the Lord's not chosen any of these then Samuel asked uh, are all these the sons you have uh, there is still the youngest Jesse replied but but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats uh, send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. You see, God saw David. David. He wasn't prominent or the obvious choice to be anointed as king. Well, humanly speaking, he wasn't, uh, but he was seen by God. Uh, Even Samuel the prophet, and he was someone that heard from God, he, he saw with human eyes when he was looking to anoint the next king. Uh, because it, it says in verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. So uh, Samuel looked at one of Jesse's sons and thought, yeah, he's a good looking chap. He's quite, you know, he's quite tall. He's quite handsome. Uh, he's well built. Uh, I reckon he's the one that God will be choosing. So that's what Samuel saw through his human eyes. But God sees things differently. God is the one who really sees In verse 7, we read, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, God had seen someone else who was not obvious, someone who was hidden away and not on the family's or Samuel's radar, for that matter. And having gone through all the sons... None of them got the big tick because God had seen someone else, someone who was just in the background. And it said, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? And Jesse replies, They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. So really, uh, Jesse and probably uh, Samuel were thinking, You know, there's the youngest son. He's out in the fields. You know, he's just getting on with the menial tasks. They didn't think he was important, but God had seen David. David was not on their radar, humanly speaking, but God had seen him. He was the youngest, you see. He wasn't considered an option to be king. He was doing the unseen jobs. He was, he was just out in the fields uh, watching the sheep and the goats. So David was unseen by man. He was in the background. He was unnoticed, but God always sees, and God saw David. I think I told uh, this story, uh, this account last time. I'm not going to go into again, but uh, I, told, I told some of you guys that uh, uh, in the summer I went to a Coldplay concert uh, at Wembley with my daughter, which was an absolutely brilliant time. And uh, I told you how God had given me a word to speak to one of the stewards there at the event. And really the word was about the fact that the stadium was filled with thousands of people, but God saw this individual person. He saw them out of all those thousands of people, and he was incredibly significant to God. And God wants to say to us today, individually, whoever you are, God sees you. Whoever you are today, whatever your upbringing, whatever your life journey has been to date, wherever you are from, God wants you to know today that he sees you. He sees you. It says this in 1 Corinthians 1.26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose those things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing to what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You see, God is the same today. He doesn't miss anything, and he definitely doesn't miss seeing any of you. He is the same. He saw David back then. He brought him out of obscurity and anointed him as king. And he sees us today because he is the same God. Can I say that God today, he knows all about you. You're not hidden to him. God sees you today. I was reminded of those incredible words from Psalm 139 as I was preparing this. It says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, talking about how God created us in our mother's wombs. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. I just want to encourage every one of you, In the room today, no matter what you might be feeling, maybe you think your life is insignificant, of no value. Well, God says to you today that he sees you. He sees you. So I just want to pause for a moment and just where you are, just thank God individually that he sees you today. Maybe you've believed that you're not of value or you're unimportant to God, but can I encourage you today that God sees you and he loves you and he values you deeply. God sees you, every single one of you. So number one, God sees you. And number two, the God of grace and forgiveness. So still continuing, we're looking at David's life. We we fast forward a few years from when God saw David and called him to be king. And we get to the account later of uh, David and Bathsheba. And I just wanted to look at this account because, again, we can see how God is the same and how God worked through David's life and how we can apply that to our lives. And this is, this is a pretty, when you look at the account of David and Bathsheba, it's, it's pretty graphic and a brutal account. And we, we can see the incredible grace and forgiveness of God working through this account that we read. So let's pick it up again. I'll just read, read the passage It says in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab in the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace Actually, I saw a, if you can picture this, I I saw a 3D modelling of uh, Jerusalem and it it explained that, because I've looked at this passage and I thought, well, how's he looking out over the city? Well, it it showed how the temple was built on top of the hill and then just a little bit further down with his palace. And that was all above the rest of the city. So you could see actually how he would be on top of his house and, and, and looking over the city. So you can imagine that. And it says, as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having a menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pre- pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Now, there's more, there's more I could read, but I, I just want to read that little bit for now. Um, so when you think about the life of David, uh, I don't know what you think about, but we know that David loved God deeply. He had an incredible heart for God. We, we know that. And this part of his life was probably the part that he would come to regret the most, deeply regret, in fact. But one of the things I love about God's word is that When we look at it and when we read it, it it never hides the truth. It it doesn't try to brush things under the carpet. It just says things as they are, the truth. And the truth of this account is that David commits adultery and murder. uh, And then he steals another man's wife. He stoops to pretty low depths in this period of his life, if we look at the detail of this account. But this, the grace... And forgiveness of God still pursues him. Make no mistake, we read here that that, that David messes up big time and he he sins greatly uh, against God and the people. But the thing is this, the grace and forgiveness of God still pursues him. And God is the same today. The grace and forgiveness of God still pursues us and is still there for us. Let me just go into this passage a little bit more because you may have read, I'm sure many of you have read it before, but... It's important just to realize in one sense the gravity of what happened here. See, firstly, David, he probably neglects his kingly duties because in verse 11, it says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So it probably is the case that he was neglecting his kingly duties to start with because it says when kings normally go out to war, which is a bit bizarre concept for us, but that's how it was. But it says, however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So the first thing he does, he, he, he probably wasn't doing what he was meant to be doing, which is why he was at home and had some leisure time. And secondly, he allowed his eyes and thoughts to go further than was healthy or right. And so he sees this lady Bathsheba, he sent someone out to find her, to find out about her we read that in the passage and then he sent someone to go and get her so there were plenty of moments that he could have got out of that temptation but it but he plowed right ahead with it and thirdly we know uh, she becomes pregnant and then David tries to uh, cover up Bathsheba's pregnancy by encouraging her husband Uriah to to sleep with her so it would look like that it was his baby and then fourthly having failed his first plan he, he deliberately plots to have Uriah killed to cover his own sin. So it's a, pretty, it's a pretty brutal story in some senses. But fifthly, having had Uriah killed, he then steals the murdered man's wife to be his own wife. I mean, it goes without saying, this was not a pretty episode in David's life. And I don't know if you've ever considered it in the, in the graphic detail, but it, it, it isn't great. But the good news is coming, right? there's always good news sometime later God sends Nathan the prophet to confront David about his sin and then everything comes into the light and David of course he repents of his sin and is forgiven in verse 13 and 14 it says then David confessed to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord and Nathan replied yes but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. So the the sin we know had consequences. And then if you read some of the the amazing Psalms, we we see reflected in some of them David's deep regret for this particular episode in his life. Uh, But of course, he gets an incredible understanding of the grace and the forgiveness of God. And God is the same today. God is still the God of grace and forgiveness. How many of us are incredibly grateful that God is still the same today, that he's still the God of grace and forgiveness? And I don't know about you, but if you, maybe you, you hear that account and it maybe stirs some things in you. Uh, maybe, maybe today you look back at parts of your past with, with deep regret and pain. Maybe, maybe that's where you're at this morning. There's some things that you're really not proud of and, yeah. Maybe you went further into sin than you ever intended to go. Uh, and maybe, maybe there's just some stuff in your life that you're deeply ashamed of uh, that needs bringing into the light. Well, that's OK. It can be brought into the light. And then you can know the full release of God's grace and forgiveness. Because no matter what we've done, and we've all got our own story, no matter how we've been messed up, Uh, we can still experience today God's incredible grace and forgiveness because God is the same God who forgave David. God is the same God here today that can show us his grace and his forgiveness no matter what we have done. I remember some years ago that some of us uh, as staff had the opportunity to have um, prayer and counseling. And uh, during that time, God graciously pointed some stuff out in me that, let's say, just had been kind of lurking in the shadows, and, and as I spoke about them and was prayed for, there came a, a new uh, lightness and freedom in my spirit. I experienced God's grace and forgiveness in, in a very real and releasing way. Uh, and there is, you know, for all of our lives, there's nothing, uh, you know, we might think it's hidden, but there's nothing that God doesn't know about our lives. And as we bring it into the light, into his light, we can experience his incredible grace and forgiveness. So maybe today you need a fresh reminder and understanding of the grace and forgiveness of God. Well, that's all right. That's good. That's a good and that's a healthy place to be. So uh, just, just take a moment now in his presence. If there's something maybe you just need to ask his forgiveness for. Or maybe you need, may, maybe you need to make it your intention to forgive someone else. Actually, we're, you have to do that because uh, God says if we don't forgive others, he won't forgive us. But maybe there's something you just that God is putting his finger on and something that you're not proud of, something that's lurking in the shadows. Uh, well, just bring it to him. His forgiveness and grace is there for your life right now because he loves you deeply and passionately. Number one, the God who sees. Number two, the God of grace and forgiveness. And number three, the God whose promises never fail. You know, when it comes to God being the same, we see this powerfully illustrated through his promises. Uh, They never fail. God's promises never fail. When God says something, uh, nothing can change that. He will always come through with his promises because God does not change. It's impossible for God to say something that he will do and then not do it because he is pure, he is perfect. He is always the same. He is constant. He is utterly reliable. One of uh, God's amazing promises over my life is Philippians 1.6. And it says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And I know that promise over my life will, will continue Uh, Because last time I looked, Jesus hasn't come back yet, so I know that God is faithful and is still continuing uh, that work in me. And I can tell you, day by day, week by week, God is working in me. His promises over my life is true. And you know, David, uh, looking at this last little bit of David's life, David was able to uh, defeat Goliath, the giant, because he knew the promises of God would never fail him. You see, it was God that enabled David to kill Goliath, the giant. So as we just look at this last little phase of uh, David's life, uh, let let me read again from the Bible. It'll come up on the screen. It says, as soon as, and and this is the account or part of the account of where uh, David defeats Goliath. It says, as soon as Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the man asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. How many of us would be like to exempt from? Yes, there's a few. Well, at least two in the room exempt from paying taxes. Fantastic. Uh, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? I don't believe David was speaking arrogantly here, but out of a deep trust in God and out of the promises that he had already seen in action in his own personal life. And it goes on in verse 34 to say that David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God." The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And then in verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And then it says this, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. And we know how the account ends, don't we? We know that David uh, defeats Goliath. Uh, David defeated Goliath because he knew God's faithful promises. And this is how he was able to defeat the giant. And believe me, this was, uh, I, know, I know it's a story that classically we'd hear first as kids, but I mean, again, this is a pretty, pretty brutal story. I mean, this was a very real and terrifying giant. This was no cute kid's cartoon story. Goliath, he he was huge, he was ugly, he was brutal, and he was was bent on killing people. But David faced Goliath knowing the faithful promises of God. These are some of the promises that David knew as he faced Goliath. David knew that God was his rock and the one in whom he would find protection. Uh, David knew that God was his shield. David knew that God was the one who supported him. David knew that God was his place of safety. And David knew that it was God's help that made him great. And just as we begin to come to a close today with this, if we are facing situations in our lives today that that seem insurmountable, that seem like giants, well, can I encourage you today that God is the same God who helped David. He still conquers giants for us today. Uh, we, we can echo the words of David. Who are these giants anyway that they think they can defy the living God? See, our God is a God of victory. Our God has defeated death itself. So as we come to a close today, we, we, I'm going to read a few little bits from 2 Samuel 22, and it's David's song of praise, which recounts many of God's unfailing promises. And because God is the same, uh, These are the same promises that ring true for us today as his followers. So take them on board, let them soak into you. And as we reflect on these, uh, bring to God any significant challenges or problems that you're currently experiencing in your life. And uh, see those problems, see those challenges in the light of God's promises. So here we go. David said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. So for all of us today, he promises to oversee and protect our lives today. He goes on to say, he is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. God's promise to us today is that He will be our shield. He will be our place of safety. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. God promises for all of us today that He is the one that supports us, He is the one that cheers us on. He says, He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because He delights in me. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. For all of us today, he delights in us. He sees us. He is faithful to us. Receive these promises of God. This is the truth, the word of God. He says, "O oh Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. The promise for us today is that He lights up our darkness. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. His promise today to us is that he is perfect. All his promises prove true. There is nothing that he will let us down with, never. All his promises are true. And then finally he says, you have given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. It is God today, his promise is that he helps make us great. It's not our own strength, it's all done in and through him. Incredible promises from him. Can I just invite us to uh, bow our heads uh, for a moment. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is saying today that uh, he sees you. You may have felt insignificant or unimportant, but God sees every one of us in the room today. Every single one of us is of great value and importance to him. He created us and saw us in our mother's womb. And he loves us passionately. God today is an incredible in every way, and then he's a God of grace and forgiveness. And just as David experienced God's grace and forgiveness for that pretty difficult chapter in his life, uh, God says to you today that he's here to show you his incredible grace and forgiveness. And thirdly, uh, he's the God whose promises never fail. There may be things that God has spoken over your life, promises from his word uh, that you may not have seen yet come to fruition. But uh, can I encourage you today that God's promises, they never fail. Father, we thank you today. Lord, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. Thank you that we can absolutely trust, Lord, in your unfailing love. Thank you, Father, that you are the God that sees us. Lord, we are not unknown to you. You know everything about us. Lord, you know when we lie down, you know when we get up, or wherever we travel, you know where we are. You are the God that sees us because you are the same. Lord, thank you today that you are full of grace, full of compassion, Lord, full of forgiveness. Lord, and uh, where there's things, Lord, that have been hidden in the dark, lurking in the shadows, Lord, we bring those things to you and, Lord, ask for your incredible grace and forgiveness and receive your love again in our lives. Thank you, Father. And, Father, we say again today, thank you that you are the God he makes incredible promises Lord and those promises never fail because you are the same you are constant you never change father thank you that you are our rock you are the one in whom we find protection lord you are our shield you are our place of safety you are the one that supports us you are the one that delights in us you are the one that shows faithfulness to us you are the one that lights up our darkness Lord, all your ways are perfect. All your promises are true. Lord, and we just uh, commit ourselves to you again. Thank you that you are the same. Lord, and we trust in your unfailing love.
0: Amen. Thank you, James, for a brilliant message, finishing our Same God series. Remember, you can catch up with other messages on previous episodes of the podcast. And if there's anything you want prayer about today, something you feel God has been speaking to you, then know that we are here. Just get in touch and we're ready to pray and stand with you. Coming up in the life of one church, here's your family news for... This week is half term across Leicestershire, so families, kids have a great time and Schools Out takes place. Join us on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday for six great clubs happening across the county. You can get involved, be there or invite someone. And of course, be praying for an amazing time. From next week onwards, bring in your bags for life so that we can use them to give away food through the Open Hands Food Store. This autumn and winter, many people are in need. And one way you can help is by bringing in some bags. If you're new to One Church or want to find out more about our heart, meet the leaders, ask questions, then Newcomers is for you. On Friday the 4th of November, join us. And if you want to sign up for a place, then get in touch with admin at onechurch.org.uk. And finally, it's four weeks to go until Vision Sunday. On the 13th of November, which of the services are you coming to in the morning? And are you ready for what God is going to do amongst all of us this Vision Sunday? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.